Hey, everybody. It is so good to be with you. I really miss you, but I'm still glad we're able to do this. Uh, So thank you for inviting me and us into your home. So something I have always been confused by is honorary titles. Like every once in a while on the news, we'll see that someone's been made an honorary firefighter or an honorary professor or an honorary doctor. And there's some official ceremony that happens and they're given a diploma or certificate or something that makes this a real and and legit thing. But what I've always been confused by is what can they actually do with that? Like, Can an honorary firefighter show up to the firehouse and drive the truck? Can an honorary professor go to the university and start giving lectures? If I was an honorary doctor and someone said, is anybody here a doctor? Should I make myself known? I don't feel like I should. Like It's this real and legit thing for the person receiving it, but it seems like the only thing they can do with that is just tell other people that they have it. And lately, with everything going on, if I'm being honest, that's kind of how I've been feeling about being at peace. We're in the middle of this really great series where we're looking at the book of Philippians to see how we can find peace in the midst of the storm that we're in right now. And the amazing news is we can and we should. It is life-altering, especially right now. But with everything going on, I've been asking myself Is there anything that I can do with that? It seems like such a personal thing. Like if a friend of mine, they lost their job or or a loved one got put in the hospital, I don't feel like I can go up to them and just tell them, be at peace. That doesn't seem very effective. That feels like going up to someone with a broken leg and saying, I'm an honorary doctor. I don't know how to help you, but I'm an honorary doctor. Does that make you feel better? Like, what can you do surrounded by sick people with an honorary doctorate? What can we do surrounded by scared people with personal peace? And that's a question I've been asking a lot because it feels like with everything going on, there must be something that I can be doing right now. Like, I don't feel content just being at peace myself, as valuable and important as that is, and doing nothing. You could say I'm not at peace with just being at peace so a question i've been asking of myself right now a lot is is what can i be doing surely there must be something that i can do and because of the nature of my job i've been asking the same question of the church too it's like what can we be doing surely there's something that we can do well this book of philippians that we're looking at it was actually a letter that paul wrote to a church and a really awesome church too they remind me of you this church is grounded and full of love and has this deep compassionate heart and in this book and in this verse that we're looking at today I believe Paul shows them what they can be doing and I believe he shows us what we can be doing too he shows us what we can do with all this peace that we have and even better yet I believe doing so brings us even more peace So let's take a look at it. It's in Philippians chapter 4. We looked at verse 4 last week, and this is verse 5. And Paul says this, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So what can we do? He says, let everybody know how reasonable you are, which 
is kind of a weird word to use. So I looked into it, and it comes from this Greek word in the original translations called epikes. Now, the ESV calls this reasonableness. The NIV calls it gentleness. And, and I looked at five different translations of the Bible, and each of them translated this word differently, which is really exciting when that happens because it means either one of two things is true. Either one, nobody knows what it means, and everyone's just guessing, and that's fun when that happens. Or two, it's so rich of an idea that it can't be packed into one word of the English language, which is exactly what we have here. This word, epiacase, it means to be compassionate and generous and just and merciful and selfless and sacrificial towards other people. Epiacase is to be more concerned about what's best for your community than you are concerned about what's best for yourself. It's, it's this ability to be satisfied with less than fair for you if it means somebody else gets what they need. It, it, it's this drive that causes someone to stand up and fight for the vulnerable and the, the mistreated. It, it, it's this mindset where it would be better for wrong to happen to us than for us to wrong someone else somehow or to see someone else be wronged. All of this is epia case. But I think for the sake of this conversation, we can accurately just call it an unnatural selflessness. Now, to understand fully what this is, like the verse that we're reading, it's in the end of a letter. It's kind of in the, the summary of the letter. So to really understand unnatural selflessness, you could read the whole letter of Philippians. It's not very long and we have the time. But there's a part in Philippians that I think sums it up really well. It's in chapter 2. And this is verses 3 through 8. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We could unpack those verses for a lifetime, but what this is saying is following Jesus' example, who is God, but came to earth as a human being so that he could become our servant and love us, and he sacrificed everything for us. We should follow suit and humble ourselves and grow in considering other people as being more significant than ourselves caring for their needs before we are concerned with ours. This is unnatural selflessness. And this is what the church is. And this is what we do. And Paul says, everyone should know you by this. And, and he's not saying like everyone should know what you believe in regard to this, but he's talking about a deeper level of knowing when someone is directly impacted by your actions. He said people should know you by how you are treating them. And lately we are getting to know each other on a deeper level by each other's actions. I heard this story that takes place the week that the hoarding in grocery stores first started. 
and there was this elderly lady in the grocery store and she was in the canned food aisle and she reached out and she grabbed a can of pork and beans. And at that moment, a man walked up to her and he said, that's my can. And she said, but I touched it first. And he told her, he said, if you don't give me that can, I'm going to take it from you. So she took her hand off of the can and reached into her purse and pulled out her taser and tased the dude in the middle of the grocery store. First of all, that's incredible. Second of all, in that moment, that man knew who he was messing with. He knew her by her actions, how he was directly impacted by them. In Brooklyn, there was this man who was picked up by the feds for uh, selling personal protection equipment at a higher cost. When they investigated his property, they found eight pallets of PPE that he had hoarded. He was selling them on the black market to hospitals and doctors and nurses at seven times the cost. This included almost 200,000 N95 masks. That is disgusting. We now know who this man is in part by his actions. We understand who he is on a deeper level. But we're starting to get to know the best of us too. There's this woman named Darlene in Philadelphia. She's 65 years old. She's a retired nurse. And she recently updated her living will to instruct doctors to not put her on a ventilator if she ever needed one. And she explained why to her kids. She told them that she's already lived a full life, she's raised a family, and she doesn't want to take that opportunity away from someone else if they need one of these ventilators. We now know who Darlene is by her active, unnatural selflessness. In Belgium, there was this woman, her name was Suzanne. She was 90 years old, and she contracted the virus, and she needed a ventilator. And she told the doctors that she didn't want it because she knew that there were younger, younger people who needed it more than she did, and she had already lived a full life. And so the doctors, they gave it to somebody else, and she died two days later. We now know who Suzanne is by her unnatural selflessness. So what can we be doing as a church? We can be known for our unnatural selflessness by the way that we give what we have to those who need it, by the way that we stand up for the vulnerable and the mistreated, by the way that we consider others and treat others as more significant than ourselves. But this level of selflessness, it, it is so extreme. It is by its nature unnatural. So we can't just muster it up out of nowhere. We, we can't will ourselves to do this out of nothing, at least not consistently. It has to come from somewhere. It has to come from this deeply rooted place inside of us. It has to come from where our peace comes from. And Paul reminds us in this verse what our peace is rooted and grounded in. Look again at chapter 4 verse 5 of Philippians. It says, let your reasonableness or your unnatural selflessness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Paul uses a really deliberate word for Jesus here, and that's Lord. And this Greek word, Lord, it, it means master. It means someone who is in authority over something. It means the person that other people answer to. Paul is reminding us of this thing about Jesus that the Bible says over and over and over again, and that's that Jesus is in control. Like Jesus himself, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. 
Hebrews says that the universe is held together by his power. I've been wondering if that means the electrons of atoms are held in their orbit by him. Colossians chapter 1 puts it really well. It says this, verses 16 and 17, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Our peace and our joy is deeply rooted in the fact that Jesus is in control of all things in heaven and earth and everyone and everything in it. Here's what this has to do with unnatural selflessness. If we believe that our situation was out of control, our very natural response to that reality would be fear. That makes sense. That's logical. If we believe something's out of control, we become afraid. And that fear, it causes us to turn our focus inward. And we become chiefly concerned in that moment about what we need, about what would be best for us, about what we deserve. We try to take control of this out-of-control situation, even if it's at the expense of others. Because when we're afraid like this, it's hard to even see other people around us because our focus is turned inward. And, and fear on an extreme level, it can become even deeper and paralyzing and debilitating and immobilizing. It can cause us to become stuck, kind of like an extended panic attack. We're not even able to help ourselves, let alone anybody else. So how could we possibly be known for our unnatural selflessness if we're not able to see the people and the needs around us, if, if we're paralyzed by fear and unable to even help ourselves? But what if we believe that everything was under control? Because if everything was under control, that would lead us to a sense of peace, not fear. And peace, it's not paralyzing, it's, it's freeing, it's liberating. It leads us to this gentle, calm perspective where we have this ease that points our focus inward to outward and all of a sudden we're able to see the people and the needs around us. Trusting that Jesus is in control gives us the ability to be unnaturally selfless. Can you see how if we know that the one who holds the universe together by his power says we don't need to worry about what we wear or what we eat, that we might be able to focus more on the needs of the people around us? Can you see how if we know the one who is an authority over all things tells us that he won't let un injustice go unanswered, we would be able to be less focused on how we're being mistreated and more focused on how the most vulnerable people around us are being mistreated. Trusting that Jesus is in control gives us the ability to be unnaturally selfless. Now, I'm not a doctor, not even an honorary doctor, not that we even know what difference that makes, but I do know that hardwired into all of our brains is this thing called the autonomic nervous system. It used to be called the involuntary nervous system when I was in school, they changed the name for some reason. But it's the part of our brain 
that controls the functions of our body that we don't need to think about in order for them to happen, like our heart beating and our lungs breathing and our eyes blinking and our our liver filtering blood and, and our stomach digesting food. All these things are being controlled by the autonomic nervous system. But what if someone came to believe that if they did not personally control these functions themselves, they would stop happening? What if someone believed that if they didn't intentionally take every breath or deliberately blink each time or or focus on their heart beating, these things would stop happening? That would be terrifying. And not only that, but these, these people, they would have to spend every moment of every day focused on making these things happen, on taking every breath and blinking and making their heart beat and trying to figure out how to make their liver filter blood and their stomach to digest food. Like, how would you sleep? You'd be too scared to. Because if you're sleeping, you wouldn't be able to control these things that you believe to be out of control. To help someone with this, you would have to convince them that these things are being controlled by this autonomic nervous system, that these things will happen on their own without the need for them to control it. And while there are parts of this that they can control, like taking every breath and blinking intentionally, there are countless other things that this system controls that they couldn't even if they wanted to. But the point is, is they don't need to because they are already under control. If you could convince this person of this, how much more freeing and liberating would their life become? How much more freeing and liberating would our lives become if we went farther down this road of trusting that Jesus is in control of everything under heaven and earth? Like, do we still have needs? Yes. Do we still need to take care of ourselves? Yes, but knowing that everything's under control, we'd be able to shift our focus from inward, trying to control these things that we believe to be out of control, to outward, knowing that everything is under control and we can see the people and the needs around us. Trusting Jesus is in control gives us the ability to be unnaturally selfless. But even with this in mind, there is still one major obstacle in us being able to be unnaturally selfless, and it's, it's this. No matter how convinced we are, no matter how much we trust that Jesus is in control of all things, it doesn't change the fact that we know sometimes doing the sacrificial thing ends in sacrifice. Sometimes giving what we have to those who need it means we go needy. Sometimes standing up for the vulnerable and the mistreated means we become vulnerable and mistreated. Sometimes refusing to do the wrong thing means the wrong thing happens to us instead. So how can we possibly be unnaturally selfless when we know that we might suffer for it? Paul reminds us in the same verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Let your reasonableness, your unnatural selflessness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. In other words, the Lord will be here soon. What can be confusing about Jesus being an authority of all things is that we're not given any promises that in our lifetime we won't experience lack or need or vulnerability or or mistreatment or even death. Exhibit A is Jesus himself. His life on earth was far from rich 
or, or fair. But we are promised that there will be a day when Jesus comes back. And when he does, he will make all needs met and he will make all wrongs righted again. And death will end. And the people that death has separated us from, we will see them again. And Paul says that day is at hand. Revelation gives us a glimpse of what this would look like. Revelations chapter 21 Verses four through six says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. That will happen. No matter what lack or need or pain or mistreatment or tragedy we face in this lifetime, it will end. And that day is coming soon. Here's how big of a difference all of this makes. When, when we are trying to endure a hardship of some kind, whether it's a, an illness or, or a circumstance or a disability or, or whatever it may be, if there is no end in sight, that's exactly what it feels like. Endless, like an eternity, like it's going to go on forever. And, but once we are given an end in sight, it changes everything and it becomes infinitely more endurable. Why do you think we are so desperate for an answer to the question, when will life get back to normal? Why do you think we are so desperate to see the curve dip down and get back to zero? Because without an answer to that question, this feels endless. It's like we're going to be stuck at home forever. But as soon as someone gives us just even a guess of a date of an answer to this question, we latch on to it because it gives us something to hold on to. And we say, okay, I can last that long. I can, I can stay at home that long. I can stretch my budget that long. I can keep my sanity with my kids that long. I can be alone that long. A couple years ago, there was these two women and they went on a sailing trip in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And when they were a thousand miles from land, their engine stopped working and their sail stopped working and they were stranded. They were lost at sea for five months. And every day for five months, they sent out a distress signal with no answer and response. And to them, it felt endless. It felt like an eternity until one day, they looked out on the horizon and they saw the gray hull of a rescue boat heading towards them. And in that moment, everything changed for them. On that same day, one of these women said that before seeing that rescue boat, they were thinking that day that they literally did not think they could make it another 24 hours. But as soon as they saw that boat, everything changed for them. Now, of course, this would not happen, but if for some reason it took a month for that boat to get from the horizon to their location, even though before seeing it, they thought they could only make it a day, I guarantee you they would last another month because they knew an end was in sight. 
Upon seeing that boat, it didn't matter if they were home in that moment because they just knew that they would be going home. Sometimes being unnaturally selfless means we sacrifice something for it. But if we do that, we know it's only for a time because Jesus is on the horizon. When we give what we have to someone who needs it, it means we could go needy. But can you see how that would be easier knowing that it's only for a time? That a day and eternity is coming where Jesus comes back and all needs will be met. To stand up for the vulnerable and the mistreated could mean we become mistreated. But can you see how that would be easier knowing that it's only for a time? That a day is coming where Jesus comes back and makes all wrongs right again? In the, in the most extreme situation, to preserve another person's life could mean sacrificing our own. But can you see how that would be easier to face knowing that death is not the end? To be selfless can mean less for ourselves, But if so, we know it's only for a time because the Lord is at hand. To be unnaturally selfless is unnatural, but that's who we are as the church. That's what we do, and we are able to do it because we know who's in control. Jesus, who holds the universe together by his power, loves us and watches over us. And even if we suffer lack or tragedy or hardship or mistreatment, we know it's only for a time because Jesus is on the horizon And he's heading this way. Honestly, now more than ever in my lifetime, I believe the world needs the church right now. It needs your unnatural selflessness. Most of the world is paralyzed by fear. We are sheltering in place. We are in quarantine. And while we do this, there are people whose souls are sheltering in place. Whose souls are quarantined inside of them. Too scared to come out feeling isolated and hopeless and afraid. Afraid of getting too close to another human being. Afraid to go grocery shopping. Afraid of losing their job. Afraid of not being able to feed themselves or their family. Afraid of the world falling apart. Afraid of not being able to retire. Afraid of losing a loved one. Afraid of getting sick themselves. Right now, the world needs people who aren't paralyzed by fear, who are able to see them and and their needs. Our community needs people who aren't too afraid to give what they have to those that need it, who aren't too afraid to stand up for the vulnerable and the mistreated, people who are able to look death in the eye and still be at peace because we know it's not the end. The world needs our unnatural selflessness right now. And and here's how I think we can do that. Honestly, I think one of the biggest problems and challenges we face right now is fear. Like psychologists have discovered that emotions are contagious. They can very, very easily be passed from one person to another. And this is so true of fear. I've had to unfollow a couple people on Facebook because of how contagious their fear was to me. But peace is also contagious. So I think one of the biggest things that we can do 
is be rooted in what we know and be at peace. And simply by being in contact with people who aren't at peace, without even explaining why or how, simply by experiencing you being at peace, you can pass that peace on to them and begin to ease that fear. The next thing that I think we can do is listen. Listen to the needs around us. Again, the thing that gives us the ability to do that is we know who's in control. So we can focus outward and see the people and the needs around us. So we should use that ability and listen for needs because I think there's a lot of needs that that go over our heads because we're not looking for them. We're not listening for them. Now, I want to point out something that we do as Christians often, and and I'm guilty of this too, but a lot of times we express a need through a prayer request. Uh, Could you please pray that God would provide this for me? And that's good, but it's also an easy way to ask for help without seriously inconveniencing another person. It it feels kind of safe. So I want to challenge you with this. If someone asks you to pray for a need that you can meet, consider doing that instead. Which leads me to the, maybe the biggest thing that we can do right now to be unnaturally selfless. And that's if you hear a need, meet it. Like, and if you hear a need that causes you to take a step back and think, whoa, that feels risky. I don't know if I can do that. That's a good indicator that you have an opportunity to be unnaturally selfless. So before you back away from that need, stop and remember who is in control. That he loves you and he watches over you. All authority in heaven and earth is his. And stop and remember that even if meeting this need means giving something up of ours, it would only be for a time at worst case scenario. Because Jesus is on the horizon and end is in sight. And then after having doing that, Ask God what he wants you to do for that need. Now, I'm not saying every time he's going to ask you to do something, but I am saying that without this perspective, it's hard to have enough courage to even ask God that question. I don't share any of this believing that you aren't doing this. Like this church that Paul is writing to, again, it reminds me of you, and this does too, I have been blown away by times that I have seen your unnatural selflessness. If there's ever a need that causes me to worry, if I think of you, I find peace because I know that if I am in need of unnatural selflessness, you are there. I share this to to remind us of of who we are and, and what we do to encourage us to press deeper into who we are and what we do, our our unnatural selflessness. Because honestly, the world needs that right now. It needs that unnatural selflessness, and that is who we are, that is what we do, and we can do it even now because we know who's in control, and we see him on the horizon. Let's pray. So what I want to do is just propose a few questions for you to ask and um, ask of yourself, but also invite God into these questions too and, and allow him to speak to you in this time. So the first question I invite you to ask with me is, is there a way 
that God can bring you peace right now. If you need to stay on that one, go ahead. You don't need to keep up with me, but another question I invite you for us to ask together is, is there someone you know who needs you to bring peace to them right now? The so next one is, is there a need you've been made aware of recently that you could reconsider meeting? last question is did someone ask you to pray for something that you could actually be the answer to So before we move into worship, uh, I wanted to pray the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi over us. So please pray this with me. Lord, make us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life.